Welcome to the Messiah Podcast. We are so glad you tuned in today. Whether you are driving, doing chores, or taking a walk, we hope the Lord quiets your head and your heart to hear truth and be challenged through His Word. Without further ado, let's dive into the message. Well, grab a Bible if you would, uh, either in front of you, use your phone, your tablet, whatever you got. Turn over to Genesis chapter 37. Genesis is the first book of the Bible, chapter 37. I have to tell you, I've been looking forward to this for a really long time. This is the story of Joseph. And some of you know, may know the story of Joseph. If not, uh, I'm going to encourage you to start reading at chapter 37 and read through the end of, of Genesis. Not too long. It won't take you real long to read it, but it'll give you a really good idea of who Joseph was. And I will just tell you, if you want to get the most out of these messages, I'll tell you how I am getting the most out of them. Uh, it's when you sit down with God and you start reflecting on what you're reading. If you're just relying on what I'm going to say, boy, you're only getting like a smidgen of what I think God really wants to do in this series. Because I, what I'm watching God do, even in my life, is some extraordinary things. In fact, I would, I would entitle this whole series, God's Master Plan in Your Life. That's really what this is. And you're going to get out of this what you're going to put into this. And don't just come and listen once in a while and then go, okay, I think I'm piecemealing it. No, if you really want to get a lot out of it, I mean, I spent about two hours this morning just as I thought about the message a lot, I thought about this story of Joseph. Uh, I was just amazed at how much I kept reflecting and then I was talking to my wife, Lori, about it and we were sitting at the table this morning. We were talking about it, about Joseph. Um, the more you put into this energy and into this story, I think you're going to get a lot out of it. It's only eight weeks long. We're going to be here through uh, Thanksgiving Eve. But uh, I want to ask you a question as we dive into this. This is really heartfelt. What place does God have in your life? I want you to be really honest. Is he central and everything is built around it? Is God just a part of your life? How much a part of your life? How much are you allowing him to have control over your life? A little bit, a lot, compartmentalized or central in your life? I'm reading through 1 Kings and 2 Kings right now, just in my own devotional life, and I was reading in 2 Kings today, and I'm amazed when God talks about a king. God summarizes the whole life of the king in one of two things. God will tell us all about all the things he did, and then God will say this. He was right in the eyes of the Lord. Or he was evil in the eyes of the Lord. Wow. I, I don't think you can get more black or white. You either were for Christ, for God, that you were living the way that God would have you to live, or everything else. That's really what it is. And if we would look at our own life in the same way, wow, where, where would you be? So on the way over here today, I stopped at the cemetery. I think the cemetery is a great place to go. I really do. It's always quiet. But you know why I like it so much? 
Because it's just, it's a reflection on life. Like, like this is our reality, all of us. And, uh, and I happen to be standing next to two markers. And one said, May 6 8. Whoa. I had to think about that. Did you catch what that means? Two days on planet Earth. Two days. And right next to them, I had to do the math. Born in 1922. Died in 2017. I'm doing the math in my head. I'm like, 95 years. Wow, you had a long, 95 years, two days. And you know what they have in common? A dash. We've talked about this before. But the dash matters. If you had to summarize in one little, like, what could you write on your dash? You, you don't have much to write on. What, what would you write? What would your dash mean? Here's my biggest encouragement is that your dash is about Christ. That from start to finish, you want Christ to be at the center. That your whole life is built around what God has for you. That every day becomes like, God, what are we doing today? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to, how do you want me to live my life? How do you want me to respond to this? What should I do in this situation? God, what do, I, what do you want me to do with this job? What do you want me to do with my resources? What do you want me to do in parenting? What do you want me to do in grandparenting? God, how do I be a child? What are you calling me to do? That it becomes all centered around Christ. And that is going to be in this series my biggest challenge to you and encouragement to you. Because let's go back to what I was reading in 1 Kings. You're either got God is central and then Everything follows from there. God would tell us all the things the king did with God. Or they were on the other side of the fence. Nothing. And sometimes God would show all the things that they did that were so contrary to God. And I think sometimes we almost look at it like a, a measuring tool. Like, like, okay, how much does God have in my life? Does he have 5%? 10%? 15%? How much, how much does God get the ability to dictate in your life? And this is going to be really throughout the whole thing as we look at Joseph. You're going to see how God was central in Joseph's life. And God gave Joseph dreams, two dreams. Because God had a plan for him. And we're going to read that today. God had a plan for him. And I think so often we miss out that God has a plan, God has a dream for us, or many dreams. And he lays that out in front of us. And it's of him. And God would love for us to start pursuing those dreams. And if you're like, well, I'm too old for that. Well, 
let's look at a couple ages here. Joash was a king when he was seven years old. So if you're like, I'm only six or seven years old. Yeah, God had a plan for Joash's life. Became king at seven. Or how about Joseph? Entered into what God was doing in his life at 17. Or how about Moses, 80 years old? That's when he really began, when God called him to start following him. Age is irrelevant. What you did the first part of your life is irrelevant. What matters is what you choose to do now. What place do you want God to have in your life and what are you going to do? Because God, here's what a dream is. Real, I'll just tell you, when God puts something in your heart, it's the divine and the human kind of trying to connect. Like God's like, man, I've got this great plan for you that I really would love for you to do, but you got to follow me. And I want, I want, God just wants us to be in part of, God wants to be part of our life and wants us to respond to him. And God is so active and wants to be part of our life on earth. It's the only time. You gotta, I, I think you know this. In heaven, we're with Jesus. We're with him. It's different. Here on earth, he's with us. We're told that. But it's only on planet earth that we get to do some of the things we get to do now that we'll never get to do in heaven. You'll never get to care for somebody who's in need, ever, in heaven. You'll never console somebody. There's no tears. There's no needs in heaven. So we get a chance, as a believer in Christ, we get a chance to partner with God in the most extraordinary of lives, doing what God wants us to do on planet Earth. And all he's waiting is, is for our response. And every one of us, age is irrelevant, every one of us has to make a decision to God. What am I going to do? Do I want to follow where God's leading? Because God's going to want to, he's going to want to be central. Or we're we like, ah, that's too much. How about just a part of my life? Is that okay? Just a little piece? All right, with that said, let's start looking at this dream and let's just see what happens. So Genesis 37, it's a long chapter. We're going to read the whole thing, but I want to, we'll kind of commentate it along the way. So Jacob, that was Joseph's dad. Remember, Abraham had Isaac, Isaac had Jacob, Jacob had 12 sons. <clears throat> Joseph is number 11. So Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan, which is Israel today. This is the account of Jacob's family line. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks <clears throat> with his brothers. The sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives, and he brought their father a bad report about them. Now Israel, that's Jacob, his dad, loved Joseph more than any of his other sons, because he had been born to him in his old age, and he made an ornate robe for him. Now, I'm not sure that's really good parenting. But I would venture to say there's not a person here who has a sibling who you're always trying to wonder who the favorite was. Right? You always knew, like, oh, they're the favorite. 
I was the favorite, you're the favorite, everybody, you always want to know who the favorite is, and hopefully your parents did what most parents will say, well, I don't have any favorites, you're all loved, yeah, 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 but everybody's always trying to figure who the favorite is. I don't know why that matters in our psyche, but it seems to matter. Well, Joseph was the favorite, but you know, when you have a young child born in your old age, and you probably didn't even think you could have kids anymore, and he has a child in his old age to his wife, Rachel, who he really loved. It just happened. Well, it doesn't just happen. He loved Joseph. But watch what happens. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. All right, now this is where it's going to be personal responsibility. I I don't know what your circumstances were growing up. You could probably blame anybody and everybody for every bad thing in your life. And sometimes people live their life that way. But somewhere along the way, it is what it is. Your background is your story. God can use any story for something amazing. And they chose the 11, or the 10 at this point, they chose hatred. They chose hatred. That was their choice. And hatred gets a grip of you and doesn't let go. And they chose to hate him. Why? Because Joseph was loved more than they were. And it just festered so much they could not speak a kind word to him. Verse 5, Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. Where do dreams come from? Now, in the Old Testament, God spoke through dreams a lot. Most of them did not have the Bible. They could not read the Bible. They didn't have access to the scriptures like we do. And God would speak to prophets. God would speak to people oftentimes in dreams. That was very I would say more common God speaking in that way. So we could probably, with I think some, uh, I don't know, assurance that God was speaking a dream into his life, which we know later that it was true, that it was of God. So here's what I want you to walk away with so far. Joseph had a dream. Was that his choice? To have a dream? No. He went to bed, woke up, he had a dream. That was God's choice. Was it Joseph's choice to be the favorite? No, that was his dad's choice. So no matter how you look at Joseph, other people were making decisions. He didn't. They were making decisions that impacted his life, and he had to decide how he was going to respond to them. Brothers, hatred. God spoke into his life with a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. Now, we can ask the question, why would you share it with your brothers? Well, dreams were not common. So he had a dream he wanted to tell. Well, who do you tell? You know, there's no social media, there's no computers, there's no telephones. 
You tell the people that are in your family. Who else you got? He told his brothers. Their response, hated him. You see how they hated him? Couldn't speak a kind word. Now they hate him more. I didn't know you could hate more, but they hate more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We're binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine, bowed down to it. His brother said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? <clears throat> and they hated him all the more, third time, because of his dream and what he had said. Do you see what hatred can do inside of us? It festers, it feeds on itself, and all you need is a trigger, and you hate more. You got a trigger, you hate more. So these brothers are just full of so much hatred. And why? Because he got a dream and they didn't? Because he was more loved than they? Then he had another dream. Was that his choice? No. He told it to his brothers. It's the only one he probably had to tell it to. Listen, I had another dream, and this time the sun and moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. When he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, what's this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Now, did you put two and two together here? Jealous. Jealous. It started with jealousy and grew to hatred. Be careful. Those things that seem innocent of, oh, I'm just a little jealous for their job. I'm jealous for the title. I'm jealous for the family. I'm jealous for their house. I'm jealous for the car. I'm jealous. When jealousy creeps in, be careful. It's so easy to judge that person and start to hate that person. Okay, now, our story goes on. I'm going to read a little bit more. Now his brothers had gone to graze their father's flocks near Shechem. Israel said to Joseph, As you know, your brothers are grazing the flocks near Shechem. Come, I'm going to send you to them. Very well, he replied. So he said to them, Go and see if all is well with your brothers and with the flocks, and bring word back to me. Then he sent, them off, sent him off from the valley of Hebron. And Joseph arrived at Shechem. A man found him wandering around in the fields and asked, What are you looking for? He replied, I'm looking for my brothers. Can you tell me where they were grazing their flocks? They've moved on from there. The man answered, I heard them say, let's go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them near Dothan. But they saw him in the distance, and before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. Jealousy turned into hatred. Hatred turned into murder in their hearts. When we let things fester, it doesn't ever go in a good spot. Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Come now, let's kill him. Throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. So now we just went from hatred to murdering in their hearts to what? Lying and deceiving because they were jealous. When Reuben heard this, he's the oldest son, he tried to rescue him from their hands. Let's not take his life, he said. Don't shed any blood. 
throw him into the cistern here in the wilderness, but don't lay a hand on him. Reuben said this to rescue him from them and take him back to his father. When Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the ornate robe he was wearing, and they took him and threw him in the cistern. The cistern was empty. There was no water in it. As they sat down, they ate their meal. <laughs> Sometimes you just have to smile at the scriptures. They hate their brother. They plotted to murder him. Plotted to deceive their father. Throw him in a cistern. Okay, let's go have lunch. Wow, something's going on, right? Now, I'm going to pause here because I want to scan ahead. What these brothers don't realize is they're going to be eaten alive with their behavior. And it's not going to be for about 25 years later that they finally meet their brother. And you know what they talk about when they're treated poorly by Joseph as kind of a front? They talk about this moment. And they talk about the last previous 20, I'm just scanning ahead, previous 25 years is because of what we did. At the moment, as they let all of this fester and they acted on it, they didn't realize for the next 25 years, it like got a hold of them. It like they got chained. And they couldn't shake it. They couldn't let it go. And it's going to come back. This very decision. As they sat down to eat their meal, verse 25, they looked up, saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. You might remember Abraham had Ishmael and then he had Isaac. So these are Abraham's descendants from Ishmael coming from Gilead. Their camels were loaded with spices, balm, and myrrh, and they were on their way to take them down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, what will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. His brothers agreed. Almost a sick thing, wouldn't you say? Okay, we won't murder him. We'll just sell him as a slave. Got rid of him. Boy, how often do we get trapped in these kinds of things? You'll see in a moment. So when the Midianite merchants came by, his brothers pulled Joseph up out of the cistern, sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites who took him to Egypt. When Reuben, oldest son, returned to the cistern and saw that Joseph was not there, he tore his clothes, went back to his brothers and said, the boy isn't there, where can I turn now? Okay, now there's a problem. What do we tell dad? Do you fess up? I mean, when you're, when you're trapped in a sin, jealousy, hatred, murder, sell your brother as a slave, uh, do you just go home and go, uh, hey, Dad, uh, we, we sold your son. We got 20 pieces of silver. Let's go out to eat. 
What do you do? Boy, sin has such power. Verse 31, then they got Joseph's robe, slaughtered a goat, dipped the robe in the blood. They took the ornate robe back to their father and said, we found this lie. Examine it to see whether it's your son's robe. Now they're deceiving their father. Possibly a little retaliation for loving Joseph more than them. We're going to make you hurt. He recognized it and said, it's my son's robe. Some ferocious animals devoured him. Joseph has surely been torn to pieces. They let their dad believe a lie. Imagine, can you just can you put yourself there? There you are, ten sons with dad. Dad breaks down, says, My son just got torn to pieces by a ferocious animal. Ten people know the truth. Everybody's silent. Everybody's looking at each other. Then Jacob tore his clothes, put on sackcloth, and mourned for his son many days. Now imagine these brothers are watching their dad mourn. All his sons and daughters came to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. No, he said, I will continue to mourn until I join my son in the grave. So his father wept for him. I don't know how you're feeling when you read this, but my heart just like, it breaks for the dad. Yeah, the dad, okay, the dad messed up, showed favoritism. But now you get a whole family. Everybody's hurting. Everybody's hurting. Talk about dysfunctional family. Everybody's now hurting. And what they don't know is that God used this, which you're going to see later. You're going to see that Joseph is going to say this, God sent me, not you. That's what's incredible. Joseph gets sold as a slave. Look at, meanwhile, the Midianites sold Joseph in Egypt to Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard. So Joseph gets sold... And you're going to see Joseph's integrity stays together. He holds it in in God. He really does. Holds it together. You're going to see that. And now he's in training for God's overarching plan in his life. But for Joseph to recognize, maybe not at the moment, but later in his life, as Joseph says to his brothers later, you didn't do this. God sent me for his purposes to save lives. See, when Christ has a hold of your life, when God is central in your life, and I'm talking to us, when God is central even when the worst thing that happens in your life happens, God is at work. 
God is doing something that you may know nothing about. It's usually in those hard times that people quit on God. They bail. It's almost like they're going through this hard time, they get tested, and they quit. They're like, this is too hard. I quit. I quit. Oh, God must just break because he uses every circumstance in our life, good, bad, the ugly, the terrible, the mean, uses it all in his purposes for your life. But God needs to know from you, does he have the freedom to take you where he wants you to go? Why would God give you a dream if he knows you're not going to fill it? Why would God ask you to do something if you're like, I'm not interested, God? Why would he? Why wouldn't just God go, next? You're not open to it. You're not interested. I don't know. I don't want to make this assumption that you're a believer in Christ, but it starts there. A believer in Christ gets to that point, a person gets to that point in their life, they're, they're just like, I want you, Jesus, to be the Lord of my life. And you surrender your heart to God. First thing God does, cleans house, forgives all your sin. Forgives you. Everything you've ever done, forgiven. It's in the past. But now this is the greatest challenge for everybody here. You know this universal sign. Surrender. Are you willing to surrender your life to Christ? You know what that means? You say to God, you lead, I'll follow. If you give me that dream, I'm going to go after it. I'll go where you want me to go, God. What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do today? You want me to go there? Okay, I'm terrified, but I'll go. You want me to do this? Okay, I don't know how to do that, God, but I feel like you're calling me to do that. I'm going to do that. And it's not until we say to God, you've got my life, it's yours. I surrender. That God is able to take you places you could only dream of. But you're going to see in the coming weeks, it might be really hard. Like for Joseph, was he ready? He became number two in Egypt. Was he ready at 17? No. So God put him in training. God used his slavery thing to train him. Then send him to jail and do a dungeon to get more training. And then God had to teach him about dreams for more training. You see, when God has your life, God's like, all right, let's get to work. Training, training, training. Wow. Now I understand. That's why this whole series is God's master plan of your life. 
because it's different for every person. And I just want to address, I'll wrap it up with this. If you feel like one of Joseph's brothers today, like, I'm trapped, Ed, in a jealousy, in an addiction. I'm trapped in something I'm doing, in action. I'm trapped in my thoughts. I'm trapped in my heart. And you feel trapped. Can I remind you? That's why Jesus came to set us free. To set the captive free. All you have to do is ask, God, I need your help. Now, you might need more help. You might need others. You might need accountability. You might need therapy. You might need AA. You might need NA. You might need sex anonymous. You might need, you might need a lot of things. But the first step is, God, set me free. Cut the chains loose so that I can follow you. And then get the help you need so that you can keep following Christ. And God will use this as part of his master plan in your life. But if it's something like hatred and you're like, God, I can't help it. I just hate this person. Then I would say, bring that to, bring that to the Lord. When you come up to communion, say, God, I can't do this without you, but I know with you all things are possible. Here's the hatred, God. Here's the jealousy. Whatever else you're feeling, I can't do it, but you can. And then when you take communion, you're gonna, God's going to forgive you, and you're going to feel those chains come off and then keep pursuing Christ. All right, well, let's pray. Lord, I could not be more excited about the series. Because I watch, God, I watch in my own life. I watch this, your master plan keep unfolding. Sometimes it's easier, sometimes it's harder. Father, keep us close to you. Thank you for the grace that you show us each and every day. Thank you for your love that never ends. You don't have favorites, God. Thank you that we're all loved. Every one of us are loved by you. And thank you, Jesus, for the forgiveness that we have in you. Forgive us our sins. Set us free from whatever's holding us back. And help all of us, Lord, to just surrender to you and make you central in our life. We ask this in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Thank you for tuning in today. We hope you are challenged and encouraged to walk in truth in your everyday. Please share with friends and family, and we can't wait to have you next time on the Messiah Podcast.